So does anybody know what today is actually, what we celebrate today? Pentecost. Today is actually a celebration of Pentecost. And everybody knows what Pentecost was. Pentecost, God sent his Holy Spirit onto the disciples. And it changed everything. It changed everything. And from that day, it's been changing. And I forgot to send the kids down. So if you would please send the kids down. See, it changes everything. So, <laughs> and thank you, teachers, for doing that. All right. So getting back to Pentecost, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, um, I, I really felt like the Lord was leading me to talk about the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, a young lady in this church came up to me and asked me a specific question. How, do I, how am I led by the Holy Spirit? And, and when we're asked that question, it's kind of like, well, I don't know how to tell you that because <clears throat> I, I know how I'm led by the Holy Spirit, kind of, but it's hard to explain that. So I'm going to try to attempt to explain that. The good thing is the Bible is able to explain everything, all right? So there's no question that if we search the Bible, search the scriptures, they will tell us. The other thing is we started talking a little bit about the Holy Spirit at the men's meeting this last month, too. And so it just seems like the Lord was telling me this is the way it's going. And what Brother James just ended up with while he was up here giving announcements was the Holy Spirit. So um, He's been given to all humanity, but a lot of people never accept him. And then those of us that accept him, what do we actually do with him? Okay, it's a question of do we listen? Do we pay attention? How many of you have ever been given a life-changing book and then you never read it? You know, um, actually, this is one of them right here. <laughs> Sister Patty gave me a really good life-changing book. I read it. So um, A lot of us have been given a, a book and we never open it up. And yet there's probably some nuggets in there that could change our lives. How about a membership to a gym and then you never went? I struggled with that one for a little while years ago. Now I got a wife that keeps motivating me to keep going to the gym. So The Holy Spirit's the same way. It's a gift that was given to us, but do we actually use it? Okay, Do we allow him to guide us in everyday life? So if we go to Romans chapter 8, sure like my paper, but it takes a little longer to get there than a, than a phone. Did you find that one yet? Romans chapter 8. Give him a second to get it up. There. Verse 14 and 16. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The wonderful songs we sang today just reiterated that. So the number one thing the Spirit of the Lord does is to confirm that we actually are children of God. We are. You are a child of God. There's no question. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. Now, as much as we worry and care about our children, he is much more so, okay? 
much more so. I can't send a comforter to my son. I, can't, I can give him advice, but I can't do the same thing God can do for me. And God does for him too. The number one thing the Spirit of the Lord does is to confirm we are actually children. Jesus states in John 14, verses 16 and 17, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So our Holy Spirit will never leave us, even in eternity. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus says we'll know him just as we know each other. It's no different. Okay? And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Now, we are a three-part being, right? Everybody remembers that. Body, soul, and spirit. Our body is our health, and our health is very important to us. We want to try and keep our health right up to the last day, right? Um, our soul is our mind and our intellect. Remember the term lifelong learning? It is. Um, I like to read. I'm thankful that God gave me that desire to read, to gain knowledge. But then our spirit, that's the part that becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. Man has a spirit, but it's not regenerated until Christ steps in. It's interesting how we um, humans see each of these. And what area of these three is the priority in your life? Our bodies are regenerated by food and rest and exercise, right? Our souls are regenerated by reading, by doing, and by experiencing. Our spirits are regenerated by the Spirit of God. So it's Him that regenerates us spiritually. Now, Proverbs 20, 27 is a real important scripture. I'll give Tegan a minute to find it. Wonderful when your grandson is the one that's operating the computer for you. Thank you, grandson. All right, there it is. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. This is kind of an interesting scripture. And in the margin of the Thompson chain, it says the rooms of the belly. It's searching the rooms of the belly. Uh, I can't help but think, when we were talking about Zechariah on Wednesday, we talked about how the spirits were going to roll through the caverns of the earth to get back to Jerusalem. It kind of reminds me of the spirit rolls through the caverns of your belly trying to get you enticed to do something. So in other translations, it's called the heart. So the Holy Spirit is an inward witness. You know, you get that gut feeling sometimes. That's The Holy Spirit is an inward witness. It's not necessarily in your head. It's in your body. It's in your gut. Some call it a hunch. Okay? Webster defines a hunch as a feeling not based on known facts. A premonition or suspicion. In the slang, we use it, I just know in my knower. You know, or, or I had a feeling this was going to happen. You ever do that? Yeah, lots of times. But for some reason, I just knew. My favorite example of that was the third date with my beautiful wife. I was out chopping her wood because she had a bunch of firewood that had never been cut or chopped. So I said, I'll chop your firewood. She said, I'll fix you dinner. She fixed dinner, and I went out to chop the wood. And she said, you don't really have to do that. And I said, that was the deal. I went out to chop the wood, 
and out she came with a cup of coffee. And uh, I knew in my knower that this was a woman that I could take care of the rest of my life and that would bring me coffee. So, and she's been bringing me coffee ever since. <laughs> so six months later, we were married. But she's the one that had to ask. So I must not have been led by the Holy Spirit to do the talking. So, so there, there's a warning to you, gentlemen. So, all right. According to what we just read in Romans, God guides us by our spirits. Just as we spend time developing our bodies and our minds, we must spend time developing our spirits. All right? The development of our spirits will benefit every area of our life, much more than developing the other two areas. It should be a priority in our lives. Seeking God should always be the highest priority. It definitely has the best rewards. Right? Now, I want to quote a very great man who I've read a lot of books of, and I, I really, I grew a lot just um, kind of being under his, I never met him in person, but I spent a lot of time listening and, and reading. And his name is Kenneth Hagin. And, and I really enjoyed all the teachings of that man. So he, he explained it this way. He said, suppose you pray about going a certain direction in your life, and you get a check or a red light in your spirit. Or to say it another way, on the inside of you, there's something that tells you no or stop. On the inside of your heart, you just don't feel good about going in the direction you're praying about. Maybe it's New York City. No, couldn't be, no. Could have been coming to Indiana. Well, who knows? That check in your spirit is the Holy Spirit telling you not to go in that direction no matter how good circumstances look on the outside. On the other hand, if you pray about a matter and you get a go-ahead signal or a velvety-like feeling in your heart, that's the witness of the Holy Spirit to proceed. So this is the hunch we're talking about, or feeling. It's not an emotional feeling because we should not be moved by our emotions, correct? The Bible says that. Don't be moved by your emotions. Be moved by the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let's look at an example of this, okay? Um, the other thing, our emotions get us in trouble a lot of times. <laughs> a lot. So, All right, so you turn to Acts. And we're looking at chapter 27. In verses 9 and 10. Right. Well, he's faster than I am. All right. Acts 27, verses 9 and 10. And uh, we're all familiar with, with the conversion of Paul, right, on the road to Damascus. And how then he was made blind, and Ananias came to him and uh, explained Jesus to him. He accepted the Lord. And then he was there preaching. He immediately started preaching, filled with the Holy Spirit. But persecution came to him immediately there at Damascus. And so he ran away, basically. They let him down through a basket a window. Um, I can't imagine how many guys it takes to lower a 190-pound guy through a, you know, down a basket. But maybe they had a block and tackle there. Who knows? So, anyway. So he says... Um, I think that uh, 
we know that he was a biblical scholar. He was taught by Gamaliel, okay? And he was a Roman, so he was probably in pretty good physical shape because the Romans were into their bodies just like us Americans are. So, um, but, we, but did you know what he actually did for his spirit? All right. In Galatians, it says that I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go to the disciples. I went into the deserts of Arabia. And then he says, I returned to Damascus, and after three years, I went up to see the disciples to confer with them to make sure I was saying the right things about the gospel. But they never taught me. What they said to me wasn't anything I didn't already know. Paul was never with Jesus in the physical, right? The Holy Spirit is who taught Paul. And he taught Paul even more than I think he taught the disciples because Paul wrote so much of the New Testament. And look at the insight Paul had when he wrote the New Testament. We read about all kinds of things that the Spirit does for us there. All right, so let's go back. This story, we know this story. It says, now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. So what do we see here? He says, I perceive. This I is not Paul himself. Paul wasn't a sailor. He didn't know what the circumstances were. But the I in there was the Holy Spirit. In his gut, he perceived that something was going to happen if they went on. So in the natural, though, if we read a little bit more, it says, Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable in winter, and the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and the northwest. Now, 13, look at it in the natural. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. So in the natural, everything looked okay, other than it wasn't a good harbor, but they could winter there. So in the natural, everything looked okay, but not to Paul, because Paul wasn't looking in the natural. And when we are guided by the Holy Spirit, we're not to pay attention to what's in the natural. We're to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying. All right, Paul had no control over what they were about to do, but he states his concern. And really, because of him stating this concern, it sets him up for the future when they actually do um, face this, this oracledon, this, this storm that comes. Because you remember the rest of the story. When they were about to jump over ship, some of them were to abandon and stuff, and Paul said, don't. We must all stay on this ship. And I will tell you that by the Holy Spirit, none of us will perish if we do this. The centurion, by that time, believed him so much that he cut off the, the, um, the lifeboats and would not let anybody depart from the ship. So now all of a sudden, the centurion is seeing the Holy Spirit moving in Paul. That's the same way the world sees in us. It sees the Holy Spirit moving in us, and we become witnesses. 
we have to learn to respond appropriately. Okay? So how does a child learn to speak? I have a little grandson, and he's just now starting to talk a lot. But how does a child learn to speak? By listening, right? They hear the words long before they ever say them. We have to learn to listen the same way. I had to take a salesmanship course one time, and one of the first things they taught us was how to listen, how to hear whatever that customer was was saying and find out what their dominant buying motive was, you know, or what, what triggered them. Is it the color of that car or is it the leather seat? And then you stress that point. So one of the most important things in marriage is to listen, pay attention. How many of us, and I'm guilty of this, like to finish the sentence of the person that's talking to us? Oh, my gosh. We think we know what they're going to say, and we finish their sentence, or we add something to it. And they kind of look at us and go, I wasn't going that direction. No. <laughs> Listening requires us to what? To be quiet and to really listen. It requires us to be quiet. It's the same when we want God learn God's will in our lives. We have to be quiet. One of the toughest things to do is get our bodies and minds to be still. Proverbs 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. In order to hear the Holy Spirit, we have to stop talking. We have to get our minds to stop going through everything they have to go through. We have to concentrate to hear other people speak. We have to do the same with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what happened to Elijah after he'd killed all the prophets of Baal and how he then got nervous because uh, Jezebel was after him? So he ran away. And he went up into a mountain and he was complaining to the Lord about everything. I do all this stuff and I'm the only one left here. There's nothing, you know, you're not showing yourself. Well, what do you mean? He just consumed all your sacrifice. Not just the sacrifice, but the rocks, the water, the wood, everything was consumed. You know, come on, Elijah. But we're the same way. So he went up there and, and was hiding in that mountain, and, and God said, all right, I'm going to pass by. So there came this earthquake, and the rocks and stuff, and the strong wind came, and then fire came. God wasn't in it. He wasn't in any of that. And then there was a still, small voice that came. That's where God was. We want to see miracles and all kinds of things happen all around us. Yeah, they are. But really, most of it is happening in that still small place. It's guiding us and telling us what to do and what not to do. So, we have to strain at times to hear a small voice. I have to strain to hear my littlest grandson because words aren't quite clear yet. I have to do the same thing when I pay attention to the Holy Spirit. How do I train my spirit? We train our bodies by exercise, and we train our minds by education. So how do we train our spirit? Well, I'm going to give you some clues. So number one, feed on God's Word. That's number one. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. My question to you is, how often do you eat? <laughs> Some of us munch all day. Some of us just eat one or two meals. How often do you feed on, the, on God's Word? Do you 
feed your spirit as often as you feed your flesh? I know I don't. I'm guilty. But let's, let's, let's go. The more you study, um, the more you read God's word and get it in your heart, the more the Holy Spirit can respond because he'll respond with God's word. Jesus said, it is written. It is written, it is written, it is written. We need to say the same thing. But we can't say it if we don't know what's written. All right? So let's study. Number two, walk in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It says, without love, I am nothing. I am nothing. Even if I give everything I have, if I, whatever I do, whatever glory there is in man, if I don't walk in love, I have nothing. Okay? So walking in love. I would recommend you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 very frequently. I know I have. Um, so. Number three, pray in the spirit or in tongues. Sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on praying in tongues. But 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. I don't have to know what I'm praying, but my spirit knows, and my spirit confers with God's spirit that's in me. And so basically those two are talking to each other. And guess what? If they're talking to each other and it's my spirit, I'm going to benefit. All right? I will benefit. So pray in tongues frequently. One of the best ways to get quiet before the Lord is to pray in tongues because your mind doesn't know what you're doing. And so it goes, whoa. And sometimes it might say, you're not, you know, Satan will come against you immediately and start saying, that's not true, that's not true. You're, you're, just, you're just making something up. Don't let him. You just keep making it up. When a child first starts talking, it sounds like babble, doesn't it? But he's talking as far as he knows, and he's communicating. He knows what he's trying to say to you. You might not understand it, but he sure does. So, same way the Holy Spirit. Speak in tongues. Do it frequently. All right. The idea is not to allow your mind to be wandering off. Um, Mine always has a tendency when I'm sitting there praying or trying to hear the Holy Spirit, it has a tendency to wander off and want to tell me everything that I have to do for the day, you know. And, and it's like, I, I tell it sometimes, shut up. Be quiet, mind. Be still. Don't worry about anything that needs to be done today. There will be time to get it done. The other thing is if I seek God first, he gives me the time to get everything else done, Right? He makes time for me. He stood time still, literally, for Joshua, did he not? And he set the clock back for Hezekiah. So why isn't he willing to do the same thing? I'm no different. Uh, you know, I am. I'm not. So we're all the same. There are untold stories, just like the story of the shipwreck of Paul. All of us have stories, all right, where God has saved us from a disastrous circumstance. Because for some reason, we paid attention to that inward witness, that gut feeling, I can't go there. Or, or even God pauses you at a stop sign for a few seconds longer, and then all of a sudden, a big truck rushes right through the red light. And if you'd have stepped on the gas immediately, you'd have been gone. Okay? A friend of mine came out 
Vernal Pike one time, and he said, Eldon, I have no idea how that semi missed me. He said, it had to have passed right through me. And he, he, I, he said, I have no idea. So, you know, God is always doing things for us, and we don't realize it. I think that one of the things that when we get up there and we watch that replay of our lives, God is going to show us every single time that he saved us from something. Or he blessed us with something, and we didn't even realize it, that it was him that did it. Jesus himself was led by the Holy Spirit, was he not? Led into the wilderness. He spent hours praying by himself. He would go away by himself and pray. If he did it, why am I not supposed to do it? I have to do the same thing. He's my example. According to John 14, 26, and in the Amplified Version, all right, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. In the Amplified, it stretches that. It says the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our helper. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our strengthener and our standby. And he will teach us all things, which is exactly what he did for Paul. He taught Paul all things. No man taught Paul. The Holy Spirit taught Paul. Now, I'm sure he learned as he went along from other people, but he was never actually with the disciples for very long at all. So in John 16, 13, Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth and declare to us things that are to come. Yeah. One of the ways you can know if you're being led by the Holy Spirit. We went through three things that can give you an idea of, of what to do to be led. Now you can... I'm going to show you how you can know that you're being led by the Holy Spirit. It's real simple. It's in the book of Galatians. And it says, are you exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? I know I have an apple tree because it produces apples. I know I have a pear tree because it produces pears. Right? I know I'm being led by the Spirit because I'm producing fruit of the Spirit. So let's turn to Galatians 5, 16. 25. All right, Galatians 5, 16 through 25. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, that says it all right there. We almost don't need to read anything else. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't do the things of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. Paul says in another place, that that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And that that I don't want to do, I find myself, or that that I want, I can't. I can't do what I want to do. I can't do what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell me to do, because there's a war going on. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Oh, I'm sorry, go back to 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilers, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who have practiced such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay? So here you have, you know that you're going to be led by the Spirit if those things are being manifest in your life. Right? Are you peaceful? Are you full of joy? Are you long-suffering? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are those things rising up? Are those things increasing in your life? Or are they decreasing? If they're decreasing, my guess is the Holy Spirit has been kind of quenched in you. And you probably need to run into a wall and get jolted into reminding yourself of who you are. Okay? We can do this. Um, We can learn to walk by the Spirit and not the senses and not our world. Not be moved by that. I'm not going to be moved by my emotions. I'm not going to be moved by what the world says. I want to be moved by what the Holy Spirit says in me. And remember, whenever you come into a situation, the Holy Spirit will start telling you, whoa, 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 Eldon, don't let your blood pressure start going up. Don't let that start happening because the Holy Spirit's telling you, be kind. Yes, they're being upset. Yes, they're being angry at you. Be kind. Be gentle with them. Be loving, okay? So you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, there was one other example I wanted to share in the, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, um, God didn't pour out his spirit like he did for us. But he did give his spirit to specific people. And one of my favorite ones, and I'm sure you're David. David was a shepherd, a young man. And one day a guy showed up, Samuel, and poured oil all over him. That oil represents the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, David started walking with the Spirit. Did he stay a shepherd? Yes, he did. Just like Paul went to the desert, David stayed out there. It was lonely out there. It was quiet. And all he had to entertain himself with a, was a flute and a slingshot. But he had the Holy Spirit teaching him. Teaching him that he could sling that shot and kill a lion and kill a bear. And that What it was teaching him was, I'm protecting you. I will teach you how to fight. David wasn't a warrior, and yet he went up against a giant. But he wasn't afraid because he knew that God was with him. He understood the Holy Spirit. That was taught to him in the quietness of shepherding. Just like we need to be quiet to be able to be taught by the Holy Spirit. We can't hear when there's commotion going all around us or in our head when we're caught up in the things of the world that are going on. We have to get quiet. So the Spirit kept him from killing King Saul. Remember that? This is incredible. There was King Saul, the guy that had been pursuing him for 14 years. He knew he was supposed to be the next king of Israel. But for 14 years, this guy had been trying to kill him. After everything he did, positive, 
for King Saul. All right? Boy, this reminds me of a story I've been listening to not too long ago. I know a worker that's been doing everything positive, but the king of the company keeps wanting to kill him. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. I just talked to my neighbor the other day. Same thing. He just started a new job six months ago. He's, and all the customers have been calling back, asking for my neighbor to come out and work for, because they liked him. He was really good for the company, but the company guy was jealous of him, of his success. And he, and he gave him a hard time all the time. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> what do they say? Are, are, you, are you cutting off the hand that feeds you? Remember? So, so that's what it is. Same thing was happening to King David. So one day, they're all hiding in the, in the cave, and in comes Saul to go to the bathroom. And, and everybody says, kill him, kill him. Now's your chance. This is your opportunity. Go out there, get him. <clears throat> David goes up there with his knife, and he's thinking about killing him, but he changes his mind, and he cuts off the hem of his garment, and he steps back. And after he did it, and after he showed it, he realized that even that was wrong. You know? He said, I shouldn't have even cut off the hem of his garment because it's not me to go after that, that man. Let the Holy Spirit do it. Let the Holy Spirit do what needs to be done. But it's in you. We can't change somebody else. Oh, that's another marriage tip, by the way. <laughs> you can't change your spouse, but you sure can change yourself. And you can pray for that spouse that God leads them by the Holy Spirit to change. All right. Another time with David, remember when they came back to Ziklag and everything was gone? What did David do? got behind a rock. He got back into that quiet place. And we know that rock is Jesus Christ. He got behind the rock and he listened to what the Holy Spirit said. And against all odds, the Holy Spirit said, go after him. And you're going to recover everything. Everything. Not only did they recover everything, they got more. More than they ever bargained for. And it was because he got behind the rock. All of his men wanted to kill him at the time. Boy, everybody was after David at some point. Even his own son went after him. So, All right. But there was one other time when he didn't pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Actually, two. The Bible talks about he was on top of the roof one day, and he happened to see something that caught his eye, and it caused him to sin. Where was he supposed to be? It was at the time kings go out to war. He wasn't supposed to be up there. He was supposed to be out there with his men. And he was. There are times when we need to be in our prayer closet and we're not. All right? The other one was when he went and numbered Israel. Remember, um, it was Joab. It was, his, his, it was the head of his army that told him, don't do this. Don't do this. But he did it anyway. He wasn't paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And it caused 70,000 people to die by a plague because of that mistake. So it's important for us to be where we're supposed to be when we should be. Now, let's wrap this all up. It's the Holy Spirit that keeps us calm when someone else is blowing up in our face, right? He teaches us to forgive when someone wrongs us, regardless. He teaches us to love even those who do evil against us. He gives us peace in every crazy circumstance of our lives. 
He gives us the peace that passes all understanding, that keeps us, right? He teaches us to be kind and gentle. We learn how to give by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We learn that we can't take nothing with us, and it's better to give than to receive. And that by giving, we do receive back. More, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing, we receive. We learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. God is always faithful. And in return, we learn to be the same with Him and others. We learn to be faithful, just as He has been faithful to us. He teaches us patience with others, knowing that God is working on us too. Because I can be impatient. So I, I, if I expect somebody to be patient with me, then I need to be the same way. He will lead us in all the affairs of our lives if we let them. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper. Good plans. He, he loves us so much. And it's just the, the older I get, the more I understand how much he loves us. It's, we can't even fathom it. When you hear a voice on the phone, can you discern it as a friend or a stranger? Usually by, with the very first word, the word hello. You know that old movie, You Had Me at Hello. Well, <laughs> nowadays you pick up your phone and you see who it is. You know, in the old days when we had the rotary phones, like in the movie the other night, which was really great. We had a good time Friday night at the movies here at the church. So, you know, it was a great movie. Reminded us all of that there is a coming day, <laughs> a thief in the night. So, but that rotary phone, you know, you, you didn't know who was calling until you picked it up and said hello. And when they said hello, if you knew their voice, you knew immediately who it was. That's the way we need to be with the Holy Spirit. To pay attention and hear and listen immediately to him. There are a million gyms out there. There are a million investment companies for our money. And, and Solomon says, of making books, there's no end. And much study is wearisome to the flesh. He said, John talked about Jesus' miracles. And he said, there, I don't think there's enough books around to contain if we wrote down every miracle Jesus did when he was here. Not book enough to, re, to, to put it in. And yet we, we only see a handful in the Gospels. But John said that it was innumerable. Just like what he wants to do for us right now. Developing our spirit man should be our most important investment. Because the conclusion of the matter, according to Solomon again, is reverence God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. We will all come into judgment. We all stand before God at some point and give account for what we did, what we said, our actions, everything. And he's going to ask us some questions. And I think he's going to play a video that shows us everything. So the question is, did I follow, did I follow myself? Now, I will tell you, God wants you to live a happy, fun, enjoyable life. There's no question. He wants the best for you. He wants you to enjoy this time. But he wants you to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because in doing so, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll not go down the wrong driveway. 
you'll go down the right, straight, narrow pathway. It's actually easy to stay on if you follow Christ. If you don't, it's easy to fall off. The good thing is he'll bring you back on the minute you ask for forgiveness. All right. So that's what's being led by the Holy Spirit. Hopefully you uh, learned a little bit. Hopefully you'll listen to that gut feeling, that hunch that's in you that tells you, will you make mistakes? Absolutely. Will there be times when God just is quiet about what it is you're doing? Absolutely. But you'll know if you made the wrong choice. And he just says, okay, let's get back. It's like getting on a horse and getting bucked off. You get back on, or a bicycle, you get back on and try again, right? Our life is the same way. But we have a wonderful life. We enjoy it. Enjoy the Lord. I think so. All right. Is there anybody in here that doesn't know the Lord? No? If you don't, I would ask you to raise your hand, come up here, we'll pray for you, let you know about the about salvation and, and Join in the kingdom so you don't have to go the other way. Uh, we could preach some brimstone, I suppose. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah, you get one, two choices. Actually, you only get one. But, um, that's really all I had. I, I really, I, I sure love all you guys. Um, I sure appreciate all of you. Uh, and, and I hope that you will um, take the time to study God's word to love each other, even those that are hard to love, and to seek after the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Lord, Lord, we are so grateful to you for all that you do for us. We thank you as we understand today being Pentecost. We are so grateful for you sending your Holy Spirit in all of us, Father.